with Aaron Cowell. I throw balls far. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. And a good Garrison Financial Friday out there in Western Oklahoma. Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. It's Bedlam Eve, and it's also week 10 of high school football. All kinds of stuff to talk about on the show. I mentioned Garrison Financial Friday. Jared, this is a new one. We've got Mobile, Scott, maybe. Scott, blink twice if you can hear. Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. (laughs) All right, loud and clear. Mobile, what are you doing? Man, I am driving back. Had some meetings in Oklahoma City with some clients and their attorney last night and uh, stayed the night with them and and now heading back to Elk City. Did you learn anything cool? Oh, yeah, all kinds of good stuff. You bet. Did did you do anything fun outside of just, you know, work? Well, I mean, we had a good time. We just, just some old friends and, and... Stayed up way too late and had to get up way too late. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, what's on tap for your weekend? Well, here's the first thing I want to know this week. Jared, I saw your celebratory pick on Facebook with your champagne. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, first, first, congratulations. But for the first ever World Series championship, that's the best champagne you can do. <laughs> It, that was impromptu. I didn't plan anything for that. I, I just looked at my wife said, do we have any champagne? And she said, uh, go check the fridge out in the garage. And there it was in the back. So that's all it was. I didn't think about well, I mean, And plus, I'm very – Well, no, that's the deal. I'm very superstitious, especially when it comes to baseball. If I'm wearing the wrong hat or not the right jersey or whatever. It, it, so I didn't want to go and – plan like a giant watch party or go buy and buy a bottle of nice champagne and it backfire on me so uh that was all kind of just spur of the moment my gosh that's that's terrible that's terrible what would that cost like a dollar 99 again i don't not a clue not a clue i think that was bought for mimosas on a christmas morning one year and it was just left over i'm not sure <laughs> I'll forgive you, I guess. But they're having the parade today and, and all of that, and maybe I'll have to have my own little professional celebration with friends uh, and, and buy the real stuff later. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm Jack. Are you guys ready for some Bedlam? I, I think so. It's going to be a gorgeous day, which is nice for my watching pleasure. Uh, maybe be able to be and, outside and, and hang out. What do you? What do you? What are your and thoughts? Now that we, and well, now that we finally lost, now we don't have to have an 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, that's the one positive, I guess, is that it's going to be at 2:30, uh, which I, you know, one has to wonder if if the Oklahoma players can get adjusted to a later kickoff. They have no idea how to do that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that uh, when kickoff happens in Stillwater tomorrow, the Sooners are going to think, well, the day's over. We're, <laughs> we're normally done by 2.30. Yeah. <laughs> Be taking their pads off. Yeah, I, Venable's going to go, boys, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, the, and like in the pregame locker room, they're going to think, well, it's time to get on the bus and go home. Or maybe they will be awake this time as, as opposed to the previous two games. Pretty good point too. I know. I, I certainly hope so. We, I guess, we probably should have somebody that's a poke fan on here to equal things out. But I don't know. Well, it, according to uh, Dalton Cooper, the offensive lineman for Oklahoma State, that would have to be somebody that went to school there, because that's the only fans they have. Unlike, oh, I saw that. unlike I, the bandwagon I, Oklahoma fans. Uh, well, I guess I better shut up then. Well, there, there's a bunch of OU fan, OU players, former players that had multiple degrees, they're, they're handing them out this week so you can root for OU. Is that how it works? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me, tell me, give me a call. Because you know, God forbid you just 
God forbid you make a financial decision to not spend a ton of money going to college and, <laughs> and uh, still want to cheer for a team, you know? So uh, is that – I've been thinking about it since – because you hear that quite a bit. Is that the burn that they think that, – that, that Oklahoma State fans think that is? It does not bother me at all. Why is that supposed to upset us? See, I look at it the other way. I look at it as, well, isn't it sad that the only people that are root for your team are the ones who went to that school? No one else outside of that circle. You know, it's no offense to this, but it's a little bit like soccer fans, where they get mad if non-soccer fans start to root for the USA during the World Cup. It's like it's like they didn't pay their dues or something. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not going to be upset that anybody's cheering for the U.S. soccer team during the World Cup. Yeah, but a bunch of like the diehards kind of get that way. All right, what do you think is going to happen in the game? Oh, who knows? I mean, are they going to are they going to trust Gabriel to throw the ball? Are they going to let him play football, or are we going to just? I don't know. I, these last two weeks have been pretty, uh, pretty strange, disappointing, and disgusting for Oklahoma football. Yeah, I had a last week was really interesting, and it's almost so. <clears throat> Kansas's run defense going into that game was like ninety eighth in the country. And Oklahoma ran the ball for almost seven yards a carry. Yeah. Yet, it felt like the offense really had zero rhythm. It was almost like they played into exactly what Kansas wanted them to do. And that that was not their strength. Running the football all year long has not been the strength of Oklahoma's offense. We all know that. Even when it was a good day. I might be wrong by one or two, but I believe that we threw further than 20 yards down the field three different times. One was a 40-yard completion. One we got pass interference for a first down on, and one was incomplete. I I mean, I don't know. I I don't understand why they weren't letting him. I understand that that it was windy. I understand that it was nasty, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's, it felt like Kansas was like, hey, we're going to give it to you underneath and then to run your 170-pound wide receiver up the gut. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, frustrating. Um, there was those cries – those screams for downfield passing all the way back to the Texas game because it felt like the games before that there was a lot more of that and there is a lot of there was a lot of success there and uh, I don't know if the weather had anything to do with it on, on last Saturday shouldn't be an excuse this Saturday or tomorrow it looks like it's gonna be nice so you you'd hope there'd be more an attempt to throw it downfield and I think when you do that I mean I'm speaking football 101 you do that completion or not you're loosening it up for your run game is it, am I am I wrong there I mean that's the way I see it that's I, I, I don't understand it looks to me like Anderson's open all the time yeah. all the time and I wonder if there's some, some analytics there when it, when it comes into this with you know, matchup issues and whatever that Lebby's looking at, and is he just overthinking it? Is he over? Is he overthinking the game plan when sometimes you just got to do what you do good? And I think Gabriel can throw it downfield good if you give him more opportunities to do it. I think well, there'll be more success there, but he's not given a lot of opportunities these last. Uh, well, here's the question weeks. though: everything is run pass option. Mm-hmm. Everything and that the whole system is RPOs. How the hell do we know it's Lebby doing it? What if it's just Gabriel reading the defense and not wanting to throw the ball? That's my that, that's my question. Yeah. Is how much leash does Gabriel have when a play is called for the run pass? He looks, he sees two high safeties, it's six on six, hand the ball off and go get seven yards. And then at the end, yeah. when when you have to get a first down to win the game, there's nine guys in the box. If everything's an RPO, what is he doing? Why is he handing it? 
You know what That's I'm saying? Good question. That, that, yeah, we don't uh, know. It's, it's yeah. so easy to criticize Jeff Levy right now when nobody knows what the plays called are. I mean, because everything is RPO based. And to and me, Levy's never going to and Levy's never going to throw Gabriel under the bus. Absolutely today. not. Absolutely not. So how much of that is really on Gabriel to make the right read and make the right call at the time? And how much leash does he have? Maybe we maybe he has none. Maybe that's he looks over at the sideline, they say run it, and that's what the call is. And then but there's got to be some sort of read there if it's an RPO, which everything is basically in that offense. So how much is on yeah. him? That, that's my question. You know, it's the, the, the worst job in America is being the OU offensive coordinator. Think about the, I mean, the offenses that have rolled down the field for 25 years now, and as soon as a bad play happens, everybody's ready to fire him. Every t- it doesn't true. matter who it is. <laughs> I mean, it, it, Kevin Wilson had the greatest offense in the history of the world, and people wanted to fire him. You're like, what? That's a good at some point, it comes down to the dudes on the field executing. And, well, and, and my problem is, the, the, the only problem was if you've got nine in the box, like they did after the Ethan Downs interception, that, that's when Kansas committed to stopping the run, not giving up a first down, or they knew the game was over. At that point, if there is no option for Gabriel to change plays and get into a pass to get a first down and win the game, that is on Levy and not trusting his quarterback. But I just. Well, we don't know. We don't know. I mean, it, in those plays, it sure looked like it was handed off and or him keep it and, and go. But I, I just. Well, it, hey, a good you know a good point too. You know, as disgusted as I was with a lot of the things that I saw, Kansas could not have prayed for that for to get any better breaks when when you got guys almost intercepting the ball. And somehow the Kansas receiver is still ten yards behind him and catches it for a for a clutch, clutch first down play. You know, I mean, it just felt like everything went Kansas way that day, and it is what it is. Well, here's what's scary. That might be true, but you know what? Kansas didn't play great. Kansas played about a B minus game and still won that game. That's what's that's what's a little bit scary. Who That's pl- true. Okay, so who plays tomorrow? Do we see Stutzman? Oh, I, if, uh, unless they have to amputate his leg, he'll be out there at the beginning. Is that, it, you know, you always hear 70% of this guy is better than 100% of that guy. I don't know if that's the case in this game. I don't know if 70% of Danny Stutzman is good enough to be out there to help stop what is the nation's leading rusher in Ollie Gordon? I think, yeah, I agree. Um, at the same point in time, he's definitely the heart of the defense. He's, he, I mean, they revolve around him, and, and we'll see. And, and Venables might just tell him, hey, dude, for your own health, you're not playing. I, we'll see. What about Gentry Williams? Seems like he's play. It, it, he's been practicing. It seems like he will be back. Which, you know, here's the truth: as much as OU did not execute to win that game on sat- last Saturday, they're pretty beat up. And this this matchup, while it seems like a good matchup for OU's defense, in that Bowman can't run the ball, that's always been a bugaboo against any Brent Venables defense, quite frankly. But he's a statue, which helps you know with assignments and that kind of thing. But Oklahoma's defense, if, if, if everybody played and everybody was healthy, I would like their chances to kind of slow that OSU offense down. But with the, the key guys that may not be there or if they are, aren't 100%, this feels to me, guys, like one of those mid-2000s, late, big-time shootout. This feels like an absolute shootout on our hands in Stillwater tomorrow to me. I think, it's, I think both teams are going to move the ball. I think it's going to come down to who's going to make a mistake. Yeah, it feels like a Texas response when you play Texas. Who makes a, a critical mistake? I'm with you, Aaron. I think it's going to be um, high scoring somewhere final, like in the thir- high 30s, something like that for both teams. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's who's and and here's the deal when we when we talk about it like this with Bedlam and there's it's almost flip a coin, and who makes that mistake? Who's the team that always makes that mistake? Who's the team that who's whose coach isn't making the aggressive play call? It's always Gundy kind of going in a shell. I wonder if that changes. I wonder if 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 the idea of this is the last time these are going to play for the foreseeable future does Gundy loosen it up a little bit? Does he let it rip a little bit like that, like uh, uh, Miles did twenty years ago or tried to? So that's what I'm really curious about. But I'm with you. I think it's it's who blinks first, who do, who makes a mistake, makes the most mistakes is going to lose this game. I just don't know who it is. I'm still kind of on the fence of it. Maybe by the end of the hour, I'll give you an answer. Yeah, I. I don't know. What I do know is I don't want to hear for the next 25 years we won the last Oklahoma <laughs> State fans telling me that they won the last battle. That's and again, I that, I, that is a thing I think that will go into this game that both coaches don't want that either, right? They want to go out on top. They, they want to be the state champion for – the next 25 years or however long it takes before it's played again. Yeah, 91, 19, and 7 doesn't make a damn if OU loses this game tomorrow. Well, and if you think for matter. half a second, if you think for half a second that every single one of those Oklahoma State players isn't jacked up and ready to play their traitor brother who left them to go to Norman, if you think they're not jacked up, Yeah, that's going to be an interesting side part of this because Trace Ford is not what he was before he got hurt as a young guy at Oklahoma State. He's not as explosive. He's not as as dominant. At the same time, he has been a definite contributor and, and at least solid on the OU defensive line, if not pretty good. And so I, I agree on that side of it, but also I wonder how much he's he, – <clears throat> you know, it seems like he's a pretty good dude. And it seems like, I mean, the people that he played with at Oklahoma State still enjoy him. And it seems like his teammates at Oklahoma enjoy him being there as well. So how much do you think there is that? Sure, on on the OSU side, absolutely. But how much do you think that, that guys rally around him on the OU side of, you know what, you're with us now and, and we want, you know, try to get one for him. an interesting aspect and him coming out and calling Gundy Petty on the radio the other day didn't probably didn't help a whole lot uh no I I think we got it's it's not like it was no 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 nothing is like it was as far as the the pure hate everything you know each rivalry is mellowed down a little bit but it is fun to get some of that going and not just well, and be kumbaya, everybody's an Oklahoman. Yeah, that's what was so great about the 80s, man. I mean, Bosworth just ripping every team that before they were going to play. I, I missed the, I missed Switzer's way of letting his players talk trash. I loved it. How many yards does Oklahoma have to keep Ollie Gordon to in order to win the game? I think they got to. I, I think they need to keep him under a hundred. I do, and I don't know that they can at all. But like I said, it, you know, turnovers turnovers will be a key. But the weather looks fantastic. Now I go a little higher, one hundred and fifty. I think because uh, they were able to allow um, uh, the Texas running back to. How much did he have? Uh, you know, had that uh, that touchdown run. Uh, but you know that turned out to be a kind of a shootout. So uh, I think he'll get his if that makes sense. But you have to limit him, limit the big plays yeah. from him. And, and Oklahoma's good at that. They only average what allow three point six four yards a carry. If they can continue that statistically, they're going to have a chance. I mean, but he's going to bust off a couple of, of long runs. I think he's too good not to. Yeah. So if you can limit yeah, him, I know, and I think. Hey, listen, you can keep him under 100. You're doing something really good, and, you're, and OU wins easily, I think. But I think you got to limit him to around 150 or less, somewhere in that department. All right, so Jonathan Brooks had 22 carries, 129, and a touchdown. Okay. 
in the in the Oklahoma Texas game. A, a day like I, I think right now, if you said Brent Venables, you can give Gordon twenty two carries, one twenty nine, and a touchdown, and maybe three catches for thirty yards. Well, Brooks had five for thirty four. I think OU takes that all day long. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but that that UCF kid had a lot more yards than that. Yeah, the key you got you can't let if Gordon get the edge. Isn't that what he likes to do? He does, well, it like all. The, they, he does everything. He's just great. Yeah. Uh UCF, yeah, once no, just one oh one. God it seemed, really? like, it seemed like more than that, didn't it? Yeah, twenty three yeah, for one oh one. Huh. For Harvey. All right. There Here's, you go. Here, here's the one thing that we that it seems like a cliche, but a lot of times in games that are close, it matters, and that is the kicking game. And Oklahoma State has a monster, monster advantage at kicker. Oh, our kicker's fantastic. Go use kicker's <laughs> fantastic. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> a monster advantage on the OSU side in the, in the place kicking game. Uh, we've seen Presley make huge plays in the return game in this game. Just two years ago up there, a kickoff return for a touchdown uh, by Brennan Presley. Uh, we've also seen OU return some too. So uh, I, I don't know how big of an advantage there is overall special teams for either side outside of place kicking is a monster, monster advantage well, for OSU. Our, our punters look pretty shaky at several times this year too. Well, not the lefty. The lefty's That's- been pretty good. Yeah, he's definitely – neither one of them are Turk. No, 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 no. All right, what's the score? Who wins? I'm going to go, because you know I am, I'm going to go Oklahoma 42, Oklahoma State 38. Golly, that would be – there would be people eating heart pills around the state (laughs) if that happens. (laughs) Especially if uh, Oklahoma State has the ball at the end with the score being that. Or I guess if OU goes down and scores to win, either way, uh, that'll be. I, I I feel something. I think uh, I sense something similar. I just think this is going to be a shootout. Yeah. Yeah. Right. What's going? Good stuff. What's going on at Garrison Financial? Hey, we're just helping people put their plans together for life. Helping people try to to navigate their their ship the way they want to navigate it. Plan for their future. Plan for their family's future. Uh, meeting with another client and an attorney this morning to, to help them set up a trust and, and get things going in the right direction there. So, you know, if you, if you need help, if you, if you need to talk a little bit about those things, give me a call. Let's sit down. Let's talk about them, and, and let's make a plan. All right, man. Be careful. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. All right. Let's go out. All right. Scott Garrison, Garrison Financial. It's a Financial Friday with Scott. Have a good day, Scotty. Good stuff. Hey, the phone worked. Feeling good about that. Maybe the rest of the day will be just as smooth. <laughs> Feeling good about that. Uh, it is Garrison Financial Friday. Uh, Scott at SoonerWealth.com is his email address. 124 North Main Street is the physical location. And 821-1219. Give him a call. It's full financial planner. Shop the open market, bring you the best value on your life insurance and your investments. We'll tell you all about Scotty as we move along throughout the day. When we come back, probably more Bedlam talk. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018 and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker-dealer member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. It's in the hole. Welcome back. Garrison Financial Friday right here on the Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports animal. Bedlam, 
coming up tomorrow. Got all kinds of texts on the text line. Um, team with fewest personal fouls will win. Yeah, well, yeah. And then here's another one. Leading rusher for OU will be Gabriel unless Pokes put a spy on him, something Texas failed to do. Mm. Right. That's the interesting part to me is it feels like you know what you're going to get from OSU offensively. And that's going to be ollie, 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 play action, hit a long one. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it feels like there's there's a there's a recipe, there's an identity to what Oklahoma State does on offense that has been extremely successful over the last four especially. But on the OU side, you're just not sure. There's been such a mixed bag throughout the season. And I agree with as far as talking about the the overall maybe plan of some of these games that, that the offense has not performed to the level that OU fans want it to perform to. There, there does seem to be the one common denominator in those is that it feels as if the offense is almost handcuffing itself by not unleashing Gabriel and those wide receivers. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a conundrum of of uh, what you mentioned earlier. What what is is he handcuffed or is he handcuffing himself? So <clears throat> that is interesting. And um, I don't know. I'm still racking my brain about a score. You got a score? We gonna wait till the end of the hour to give a prediction? Yeah, I think so. Um, because <clears throat> I'm still I'm still on the fence either way. What and has, that's a good point on the text line uh, from Jeremy. He said the apprehension of Sooner fans scares this cowboy. So it always seems – he's right. I remember in years past you think OSU has the better team and then out comes OU, guns a-blazing and, and winning easily or, or winning a shootout. Um, yeah, he says OU plays ten times better when everyone thinks – than everyone thinks they will. So there's always that. And they're coming, on, coming in licking their wounds. They, you know they don't like that. What happened last week, and they definitely don't want to lose two in a row. So that's that's one bullet point I'm kind of leaning on for OU. But then OSU's offense is humming. If if there wasn't the ninety one nineteen and seven stat out there, and you you didn't have an OU on one helmet and OSU on the other helmet, and you just watched these teams play over the past couple of weeks, it would be really hard to pick OU. Really hard. When, you, when you'd watch the teams play, not knowing who they are, and knowing that Team A has to go to Team B. But there is that 91-19-7 out there. I mean, how many times over the past decade has it seemed like OSU had the better team? Exactly. That's what, yeah. There's been a few. There's been a few of them. There's definitely been a few of them. And yet, when you look at the two games, say, say you know, 2013 is one that stands out big time. That going into that game at Stillwater, it was freezing cold. And it was a game that most people thought OSU was better than OU. Three quarterbacks later... A fake field goal, a punt return, you know that, and, and Oklahoma wins the game. That, that those things you, you can't get out of your head when you think about results. It, it has to weigh in at least a little bit. Now, maybe not the, the deciding factor, but you're right, Oklahoma makes the plays to win this game, and Oklahoma State doesn't. Oklahoma, whether it's Bob Stoops, had the magic. You know, how many times in in, in these games through the years, outside of re-punting to Tyreek Hill, but how many times did it seem like Oklahoma would make a humongous special teams play? Jalen Saunders returned to putt back-to-back years in this game for touchdowns in two thrillers, an overtime win in Norman and then that cold day in 2013 in Stillwater. 
You know, Broyles returned to punt for a touchdown. There's the fake field goal. You know, there's just – is that – but I don't know that that's the giant advantage that it once was. But it also speaks to Stoops would let it all air out. And I don't know if we've ever really seen Mike Gundy do that. There's always that that swagger edge for Stoops when he'd go up against Gundy. And I thought with the coaching change, not from Riley, but uh, with bringing Venables in, Gundy could go, okay, now, now it's my turn to take it over. And he still has that opportunity to do that, too. It's just the second year of Venables' tenure. So um, that's what I'm, I'm – there's going to be times when it's mid – what year was it? It was end of the second quarter and chose to punt it around the 50. 2016. Yeah. And that Aaron was like, well, there he goes again. There he goes again, not being aggressive. So if those situations present themselves, I want to see what Gundy does. <clears throat> I think you brought up a, a great question, and that is – this being the last one for the foreseeable future of these Bedlam games, how much does that play into the aggressiveness or lack thereof on either side from a coaching standpoint? You know, one would think it's the last one, let's let it all hang out and get it done and, and all that, but at least with his MO in this game and in the history of the 18 games he's coached in this series – is there that on, on in the back of Gundy's mind going, but if I do this and it fails, everyone's always going to remember this game because it's the last. Does that even make it harder for him to come out of that shell? If if I'm him and that and there's a situation like that, and he has to ask himself, if I do this and I fail and everyone's going to remember it, he should be asking himself or telling himself, if I do this and it works, that's what everyone's going to remember. And that's what I'm looking for for Gundy. Instead of the, the well, I don't want to fail attitude. I, who cares? You know, let her rip. Go. For, I mean, I'm, I'm using that term a lot in Bedlam, but I, I, I want to see him be aggressive. I really do. It makes this game a lot more fun. It makes any football game more fun. It doesn't. It's not fun to see a, a, a coach get all conservative and lose a game. And, and how many times? Again, we walk away from this game going, "Man, Gundy, he had an opportunity. He had chances. He got. He he just overthought it. Over. He just didn't do it. They had the better team, but once again, Oklahoma wins because he's punting from the fifty, or he chose not to go for it on fourth and two." So, I want to see him be aggressive. I do. And I do think, because it's the last Bedlam game, just that I'm kind of getting his pulse from his his press conferences, the way he's talking about how this was a nasty rivalry back in the day with Boz spitting in my face and all that stuff. And, you know, I want to see that again. I think he's going to go into that game thinking, I, I'm, I want to beat these guys. I want to be – I want to win. I want to put this feather in my cap as, as, as the winner of the last Bedlam game. And possibly the last one he could coach in. Who knows what could happen? Who, yeah, I mean, how long this could take to get it back? And I know we. I think we had that question. We didn't answer it. I mean, I think it's ten plus years if we're lucky. Regular season for wise. a regular season. We might see a bowl game, but it might be out of state. Obviously, it's going to have to. There's no bowl games in Oklahoma. Might be <laughs> a playoff game in the state. Oh well, the hosting thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Yeah, but so there's that. Could be his last Bedlam game to be a part of. And he's been a part of a lot of them as a player and as a coach. That's one of the keys for me is Gundy. Just Gundy. That's all the key. Gundy. What's he do? Yeah, it's interesting on the text line. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like he coaches to win this game. He almost coaches not to lose it. Exactly. And the games they've won. Think about the three games he's won. 2011, I could have coached that team to beat OU. <clears throat> that, was, that was the best Oklahoma State team of all time. Should have got to play for a national title. And possibly, quite probably would have won it with that offense and the way Whedon and those guys just rolled. 2014, I think everyone would blame that on Bob Stoops. And there's one of those coaching situations, right? To Tyreek yeah. Hill. 
And then, what, 2021? No, giving that one, I guess. I think I think a lot of people would also give a hat tip to Jim Knowles and the, and the defensive adjustments he made in the second half to slow Caleb Williams and OU offense down enough to allow Oklahoma State to come back and win. So, uh, I mean, maybe the start of the blueprint on how to stop Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. <laughs> maybe yeah, that's what all I those think Pac-12 it was already schools out are there. going. I think it was already out there. Um, but I, I think the point's well made with with his struggles. I mean, he has to have the worst record in the Bedlam game of any singular person in the history of the game, right? 0-4 as a player, 3-15 and as a coach. 3-19. and I should probably not a whole bunch of people have been around for twenty two of them on the OSU side. Quite frankly, not not in that kind of capacity. I'm, I mean, Simmons wasn't long. He wasn't a player. He no. wasn't along or around long enough as a coach. I mean, there's a stretch there in the mid forties all the way to the sixties uh, where OU won them all. Well, from nineteen seventy six to nineteen ninety five, OU won them all. With a tie mixed in in 94. A lot of coaches in between there. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're just – he doesn't uh, – it, it's it's almost like for good reason, right? I mean, he doesn't know success in this game very much at all. And so, you know, there was something to be said about that. And just continually kind of taking L's. I have a feeling – that's not going to be what we're talking about after the game. I don't. I, I don't see any way that he allow that he does the same thing that he always has done seemingly in this game from a coaching standpoint. I just don't see it. I think he lets it all hang out. And and here's the beauty of that for him. If he tries something, if if he is aggressive and it fails. All he has to say is, this is what everybody wanted me to do. Right? I did that. That's what everybody wanted me to do. Right. And there it was. You know, there's there's no... And the, what I'm saying he is... He doesn't take blame there. And there's been many times in the past where if he took those risks and if he came up short, I mean, real... you would. There's going to be those fans that are screaming from, why'd you do that? But... There's other fans, real fans, who understand and go, I don't blame him doing that. He gets he doesn't he, he gets less criticism if he's aggressive and it doesn't work than he's gonna draw if he's not aggressive. Mm-hmm. And he plays passive and it doesn't work. That's just the it's just the Madden playing football fan of nowadays. Yeah. Go for it on fourth down every time. Right. Wrong side kick every you know what I'm that's just and and, and that the thoughts of that go into what people believe about decisions that are made during the game, right? Yeah. Uh, from a coaching standpoint, the numbers, man. Uh, now, a bunch of these numbers are probably built up in a couple of games in the non-conference for Oklahoma. That that maybe when I know I've heard the the Big Twelve conference only stats that don't look quite as as glowing, but total offense wise, Oklahoma's seventh in the country. Average about 490 yards a game. Oklahoma State 39th, down at 429 a game. Total defense, Oklahoma is 61st in the country at 370 yards given up a game. Oklahoma State 105th at 409. Scoring defense, Oklahoma 23rd in the country at 19 a game. Oklahoma State 55th at 24 a game. Scoring offense, Oklahoma 4th in the country at 42 a game. Oklahoma State 46th at 31 a game. So, those total and scoring offense and defense numbers way lean in favor of Oklahoma. It's not even close. Red zone, defensively, both teams have been pretty decent. 20 trips inside Oklahoma's red zone. They've only given up eight touchdowns, so just 40% touchdowns. Oklahoma State, 18 trips inside their, their defensive red zone. The other team scored 10 times. So that's what, five of nine? Better than 50%. Offensively, Oklahoma State is 19 of 35 scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Oklahoma, Oklahoma 29 of 43. 
So a little bit of a struggle for both sides, punching the ball in, which that, that, that comes down to a huge advantage for OSU in that even if their offense doesn't score touchdowns in the red zone, you can guarantee points because of the kicker. I don't know how much you can guarantee OU getting points. And, and how does that no. play in if you're Venables? How does that play into your decision? We saw it last week. A fourth and three on what the second drive of the game from Kansas's twenty one yard line. Down seven nothing. Lots of times that's just okay, take the three and seven three. Clearly didn't trust the kicker and also didn't get a first down. Do we see that issue pop up on the Oklahoma side? Not only an inability to make kicks, but also no trust and even allowing Zach Schmidt to get out there and make kicks. Yeah, I can go into the decision of We'll go for it. We'll go for it. Right. Yeah, that that uh, that's something to think about. And in the way Venables coach, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if he does that. Trying to be that aggressive nature that he has, so Yeah, that'll go into the decisions. Hundred percent. If I say to you, Oklahoma State wins if what is your if well everyone wants gonna is going to say if ollie gordon goes for 150 plus 200 yards and two touchdowns let's say that and that's the easy answer right i think if alan bowman has a good day passing if he if he protects the football doesn't turn it over and you know hits hits a couple long balls with, say, a couple of touchdowns. Everyone's going to be hyper-focused in on the running back for obvious reasons. But Alan Bowman, if he can have, if he can complement his running back, I think they're, they're going to win. Isn't it interesting, with these two teams and how they were, they, what we thought going into the year, versus what we've gotten it's the exact opposite going into the year i mean people on this station were talking about how oklahoma state's wide receiver core was behind ohio state maybe as one of the best in the nation and now through eight games when you look at oklahoma state's offense you don't even think of passing the ball because of the way that Ollie Gordon has burst onto the scene. Mm -hmm. And then down in Norman, going into the year, the question was, well, who can catch the ball? But, man, they're loaded at running back. And now after eight games, you're going, Tawi Walker's the best running back? Why aren't we throwing it to the wide receiver? You know, it's amazing how much the the teams, they're they're inverse of each other. And, but, but... The point is, if Oklahoma loads up to stop Ollie Gordon, which I 100% believe they will, Oklahoma State's got guys that have made plays on the outside. And can they do it? Can I mean, I think if Stutzman doesn't play, I think there are a couple of guys that are going to have the bullseye on their back tomorrow on that Oklahoma defense. Number one is going to be Jaron Kanick. Because if you don't think that, that, that Mike Gundy and that offensive staff hasn't, haven't watched him specifically try to cover guys out of the backfield and look lost at times, and they have zero to throw it to against that guy, if you don't think they're not licking their chops for that um, matchup, I think you're crazy. And then the other guy is going to be Woody Washington. I think there's an absolute target on his back, too. Especially if Gentry Williams plays. If not, then, boy, Oklahoma, second, Oklahoma secondary, what had been kind of a strength all year long, sure looked like a weakness last week. Mm-hmm. And then with when you, what's one thing about when you bring, we talk about this on the Elk City games all the time, when you bring eight, nine into the box, 
yeah, it's hard to run. There is no doubt about that. But if you do make somebody miss, if you do break a tackle, if you do block it up just right, there ain't nobody there once you get past that first wave, which could lead. I, you could, I could see Oklahoma 10 carries for Ollie Gordon, nine of them go for three or less, but, boy, that 10th one is a, bra- is a backbreaker, yeah. right? I mean, just yeah. a huge play. Right. I think Oklahoma State wins. I, I I agree with you. I think I think Oklahoma State wins. My my if I, I think Bowman's going to be a huge key. I think he's going to have to make plays. But I'm on the other side. I think Oklahoma State wins if they can get pressure without having to bring a whole bunch of people and being susceptible in the back end, which we've seen all year long. People make big plays on that defense through the passing game. Colin Oliver, if he is harassing Gabriel, which would not shock anybody if he is. Right. Okay, Oklahoma wins if. If um, the running game oh, – who, who are we kidding? It's not going to get going. Um, man, again, easy – everyone is slowing down. We've already talked enough about Ollie Gordon and what we think they have to do to have a chance to beat him and slow him down. I, I say 150 or less – Scott says 100 or less. No offense, Scott. I think that's a pipe dream. I think he's going to get more than 100. Um, so I'm going to kind of go away from that. I mean, maybe I'll go back to the quarterback play for Oklahoma. Uh, the decision-making is better for Gabriel and when he has those options of RPO. He seems like he – maybe it is a self-trust thing for him, not throwing it down the field like you said, because he's had so much success – running the football on his own. So I want to see more downfield shots and um and I'm trying to think of a stat of a number. I mean no turnovers and two hundred plus yards through the air. Yeah, they gotta have way more than that, I think. I I would, I would think three hundred would be a I wanted to go two fifty. I thought that was too high. I think three hundred under three hundred Oklahoma, may, uh, Oklahoma State will probably win. Over 300, Oklahoma will win. Because it, it seems like the Sooners, when they get that passing game cranked up and really rolling, that's when the, the, the lanes open up to run for Gabriel or right. whoever else. Right, right. Where you're not just trying to force it. I think Oklahoma needs to make like five 20-yard plays through the air. Something like that. You know, it just – and we saw it last year in that first quarter of this game. I mean, it was ultra tempo, throwing it down the field, making huge plays, and it was 28 nothing before you could even sit down in your chair. You've got to think that that's how this starts for Oklahoma's offense. That has to be the plan, right? Yeah. Wasn't there a turnover in there? I just know it's twenty eight nothing before you sit down, and it was throwing it down the street. They were just throwing it down the field and and warp speed. Okay, who's going to win? Oh boy, I keep so even last year, and we said this. There's been a lot of times we go into this game thinking OSU's the better team, based on how the season's going for both teams, the trajectory of both teams, et cetera. And then what happens? OU comes out and wins. And that was the feeling even last year. I thought, all right, here we go. Let's prepare for our butt whooping. And then what you mentioned happened, but then they went to a shell. Um, So there's still that same feeling. And, And then it just has that same feeling going forward. But it is the last Bedlam game. I think... I think I've talked myself into it. I think Gundy is more aggressive, doesn't coach to lose. He wants to win this last one. But I think OU comes out of a shell as well. They've All they've heard this past week was the play calling, the play calling, the play calling at Kansas. And they don't want to hear that again. So give me OU. I'm going to reluctantly say it. I will go... 31 to 28. I know you think it'll be a higher score, but I, I think there's some turnovers 
and some clock consumption that'll slow that down. So 3128 OU. And I'm in I'm 51% positive that's going to happen. Confident in it. OU wins cuz OU wins. OU wins this game. You summed up what I just said. <laughs> OU, they just they win it is okay, here's the deal. 91-19 and 7 doesn't really matter tomorrow as far as being an influence on the game, but it does. But it does. And it's probably a big the biggest reason I would pick OU to win this game is that record and I just don't believe after the domination that they've had in this series, I just don't believe that they lose the last one. I just don't. I, I don't I, I I think the matchup way favors Oklahoma on the de- on their defensive side because what Oklahoma State is good at is what Oklahoma's good at. You know, if this was Spencer Sanders back there as opposed to Alan Bowman, I would completely change my mind because of the threat of the run and how Oklahoma just has not been good at that defensively all the way back to Britt Venable's first time here. You know, think about the you know from Brad Smith to whoever else, right? It, it, that's always been, and it is for a lot of people. It's not just him. It is for a lot of people. But the stationariness of Bowman and the ability, I think, of of Gentry Williams, his availability looks like he's going to play, and how good he's been on the outside. Then maybe you can you, you can leave him out there by himself and help Woody Washington on the other side with, with safety help, I just don't believe Oklahoma State will win this game. I don't. And I know I said it's going to be a shootout. I've changed my mind as I thought about this. You going to be low, lower than you think? I think it's going to be I, – I got I, – I think 38 – no, 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 41-27. Or 41-28. Let's go 41-28. Oh, Wow. No, forty-one twenty-seven. I'm gonna say field goal. They're gonna red zone, red zone defense will be there. Forty-two twenty-seven, because I don't think OU's gonna kick a field goal. Yeah, forty-two twenty-seven. Okay. Billy wants to know about Clinton and Elk City. That's what we're coming back with. High school football. I got a trivia question, but I might have to save it for Monday. What is it? I don't even know the answer. I'm going to ask you off air and see if you can figure it out. Okay. We'll be back. Wrap up with Garrison Financial Friday next. Hello, my name is Scott Garrison. You may remember me as Scott the Barber or just as Ron and Carla's son. I've been involved in our community since opening Scott's Barbershop on the southeast corner of 3rd and Main in 1998. Now I'm back in the same building as Garrison Financial. I started investing in my 20s. I invested through the dot-com crash and the Great Recession. I started caring for other people's money in 2018, and I truly enjoy sitting down with my clients, understanding their wants and needs, as well as what keeps them up at night. Whether my friends just want me to invest a little of their savings or want me to work with their tax and legal professionals to strive towards optimal efficiency, we can do it all. I believe communication is key to helping my clients reach their goals. For if we are faithful over a few things, we shall be given more. Contact me at scott at soonerwealth.com. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research, Inc., a broker, dealer, member, FINRA, and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Garrison Financial and Cambridge are not affiliated. This communication is strictly intended for individuals residing in the states of Colorado, Nevada, Oklahoma, and Texas. No offers may be made or accepted from any resident outside the specific states referenced. Cambridge does not offer tax and legal advice. The Skinny on Sports. But is having this minor skill worth being so unattractive? That's for the fan to decide. Yay! Welcome back. Skinny on Sports, 98.1 FM, the sports channel. Hanging out on a Garrison Financial Friday. Bedlam Friday. Week 10 of the high school football season Friday. And high school hoops opens up tonight for the small schools. Uh, Big Elk's going to John Marshall. Home playoff game is guaranteed no matter what happens tonight. There's a, in my opinion, way outside chance of winning the district because after what we saw last week from Woodward, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's a world that exists where that team beats Clinton, right? I mean, we're in agreement with that, right? No way Woodward's beating Clinton. Clinton. Zero chance. Hard to see. It's hard to see. So. Honestly, 
I'll peek at that score early, and as soon as I see it's twenty-one nothing Clinton, I'll be done with it. And that you know, Elk City obviously wants to get better and, and win and, and improve going into next week. But I, I, to me, Jared, my focus tonight is as much going to be down the road from us, right at Bethany, yeah, right, as much as it'll be on what's going on uh, down on the field at Taft Stadium. Just just to uh, check in on that game between Newcastle and Bethany, the winner plays Elk City more than likely. The winner plays here. The loser will go to Clinton. Right. That's so. Really, two scores we'll keep an eye on, and the most important one, like you just mentioned. I'll make sure Trey is on the text line. He can keep us updated on that one. Our man Trey, I bet he'll go. Yeah, it's hard for me to see what, uh, especially it's kind of the same reason I'm kind of leaning OU because it's hard to see teams that have a lot of success in the past lose consecutive games. You got to imagine, and we mentioned this Wednesday, the practices over in Clinton were probably pretty intense this week. So I bet you they come out a little bit more focused and should have a team that um, that's uh, against a should have success against a team that's struggling right now. And same thing for Oak City. I think we'll be fine knowing that still got to play that. And that's why I was kind of it was kind of a relief um, Clinton losing last week because it makes this game mean something. So. You, Elk City can come on out saying, listen, we still – we can control. We can control. We can come out here if we win this game. Who knows what's happening up in Woodward County. So let's let's keep doing – let's go out here, take care of business, get on them early. And then, too, like last week with the struggles against Woodward in that first half, the turnovers, an eye-opener. So I'm anxious to see if, if stuff's a little bit more focused in and cleaned up against a team that Elk City shouldn't have a problem with tonight. Yeah, the other the, the big game in four A one is in Chickasha. Cash at Chickasha, winners in the playoffs, losers out. Winner goes to goes to Blanchard, the loser hits the basketball floor. That's by far the biggest game to me in four A one. But is there an outside chance? Yes. Is it a realistic chance? I don't think so. I think you're. I think your order in 4A1 is Clinton, Elk City, Weatherford, and whoever wins that game tonight. And in 4A2, Blanchard, Tuttle, and then that game tonight tells the difference. It tells the tale. And we know that Weatherford's going to Tuttle next week. That's a guaranteed game. Everything else is up in the air with whatever happens this evening uh, around 4A. Anything else kind of strike you as far as what's going on tonight on the football field? No, just those those games right there. I mean, our locally, majority of our teams are out of it. Uh, so those are I'm, I'm, the Bethany Newcastle game. I mean, heck, I might have my phone streaming it on the side, and then, of course, Clinton Woodward for what it means for us in Elk City. So those are really only the trifecta of games in 4A that I really care about tonight. Merritt's at Fairview. That's a tough way that's to end a, the season. That's tough. That that's gum. tough. Uh, then Hollis, they play Turpin. They go to Turpin. You can watch both of those on Paragon TV. If the Tigers were able to win that game, then that shakes up the order in Class B, District 1, especially depending on the score and how those district points end up working out. Because right now Turpin's 3-1, and one, Hollis and Shattuck 2-2. Two and two. Shattuck is going to win. They play Beaver. Beaver hadn't won a game all year. And probably going to get 15. So you feel like Shattuck ends up at 22 points and three and two in the district. So that means if Hollis could win, uh, you know they're they're focusing on trying to flip their spot with Turpin on the road more than likely, no matter what happens in that game. Even a win enough to get to third, you're still on the road. Uh, but we do know all we do know the four teams there in that district, and America had to go to, to Fairview. Ouch. That's a that's a tough way to end the season, right? I mean, that's is what it is. Probably I mean, the Class it, A state champ, right? In we're, in we're week good. ten of a season that's about to be over. Basketball wise, though, Jared, Paragon TV tonight, mm-hmm. hoops, Canute home against Eric. You've got Hammond home against Sentinel. Leedy's at Sweetwater. Rappo Butler does not play, from what I'm seeing. 
that what you got? Cheyenne? I'll be real honest. I've been so focused in. Cheyenne is home against Visai. Yeah, welcome Cheyenne back to the Paragon mm-hmm. Network. I like that. I like that. So if you're tired of football and ready for some hoops, Paragon TV is your place tonight. High school hoops get rolling on Paragon TV. It's going to be fun. Fun fun storyline in Hammond. We're, um, new coaches. New coaches and, and one being a, a former Lady Warrior coming home. To coach against her old team. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, Kennedy. Kennedy. Oh my goodness, I forgot her new married name. Carter. Carter, yeah, Coach Carter. Ha! Huh, there's a movie made about her already. Right. She hadn't coached a game yet. <laughs> no, I bet that'll be a special special night tonight in Hammond. Fun stuff. Yeah, Lady Warriors defending champs. Yeah. And have lost some, but have some back. We'll need that. We should have asked Kennedy before we're getting out of here if she's going to wear her state championship ring while she coaches. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get that on the text line. I'm guessing she's not there tonight. Everybody have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening. That ball is blistered to right. Wow.